We look for something deeper. We look for the real truth. We look for a message of hope. We look for the God story. If there's a God, what's he doing in all of this? What does he expect of us and what lessons can we learn? What can we draw? When you're really looking for truth, you're not afraid of challenging your mindset or challenging what you think is true, which is a big problem in today's news and in today's society. But it's that challenging that clears through the fog and helps you to understand what's really going on in the world. Today, as we go into a week in review, we're going to look at the news that made news this week. And let me introduce you to my partner, my cohort in all of this, Adam Rizzieri. We call it the Riz Report. Let's review the week. The Riz Report with Adam Rizzieri. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) We're doing that thing. Doing that thing. Michelle, this was a hard one this week because the week had so much stuff going on. And, you know, we started with a crazy Monday where you had several big wig execs really resign from their positions the same day as the start of the Keelan Maxwell trial. We saw, uh, was it a Walmart CEO? Uh, shoot, uh, Jack Dorsey over at Twitter. He resigned and uh, named a guy who's been a part of Twitter for 10 years now, their CTO. Now their CEO, a guy named Parag Argrawal from uh, basically he's a guy who came across uh, from India and who's worked at Twitter for a long time. And, you know, uh, one of the questions that I got from a lot of, of people was, well, do you think this is going to help Twitter as it pertains to free speech? And my first thought was, well, maybe, maybe. But then I looked into some of the stuff that Parag says, and this guy might be more of a hardliner than even Jack Dorsey when it comes to censoring content that he doesn't like. Um, so, you know, there, there was that going on in the market. Obviously we're going to see kind of what happens with Twitter moving forward, whether or not we're going to be shut down more frequently than not, uh, remains to be seen, but I'm not really expecting any good things from that. Um, this, this week also was a week of a lot of discussions about VP Harris. Like it seems like people from her staff are falling like flies. I know. Um, so, you know, lots of people are falling off of the radar. A lot of people are, I want to get to VP in just a moment, but. Uh, can I give you some of the list of all the CEOs that resigned within a 48-hour period? Oh, please. Absolutely. Okay. Disney, MasterCard, Salesforce, L Brands, Uber Eats, Hulu, MGM, what? IBM, LinkedIn, Match.com, Bear, uh, Aurora Cannabis, what? Uh, and Victoria's Secrets. <laughs> Are, oh my gosh, that's insane. Yeah. So started with like three big wigs and now it's like, I mean, that's a list of CEOs just presiding. It's okay. Some of the speculation has been, and, and you know, obviously we're going to see this trial play out with, with Gielan Maxwell, who I think we can already sort of determine she's a terrible person from what we've heard. Um, 
huh, is there some sort of correlation there between the trial and some of these CEOs? I'm sure hopefully some of them are totally removed from that story completely, no relation of any kind. This is just very strange. This is maybe it's a coincidence, maybe not. I mean, we did learn that uh, I think uh, Jeffrey Epstein visited the White House when Clinton was there, I think something like 17 times or so. Uh, Clinton uh, traveled on the Lolita Express, Epstein's private jet, I think like 26 times or something to that effect. Um, there was a photo of Epstein or Gielan Maxwell actually on the in the aisle at Chelsea Clinton's wedding, peeking over as Bill Clinton led her to the altar. I mean, just the intersections of these people, it's it's really mind-blowing. And you're just like, well, is this just like how, you know, big-time donors, billionaire people sort of like exist just with the the cream de la creme, the elitist of society? Or it's, it's is there weird, though, there? with all of these people resigning and the implications of uh, why, come on, that when something's too big of a coincidence, it's too big of a coincidence. And <laughs> right. what we look at in, in these, this story of, in the Epstein issue, it's crazy that we're not seeing it reported. Is it crazy? Yes. Is it surprising? No, we're not seeing it reported in the news on Thursday's news and views. I would love for y'all to take a look at that show where we talk with John O'Connor, who was actually the attorney for Deep Throat, and he wrote Huge. the book Postgate. And he talks about the story that we did not hear from the Washington Post during Watergate, and how because we didn't hear all of that story, they twisted things enough. And it wouldn't have gotten Nixon off the hook, but it would have painted a more complete, more accurate, uh, more journalistic story that he that seems to be the beginning of the complete downfall the death of journalism once the media really realized we have the power to bring down a president there was no going back power corrupts right. ultimate power corrupts absolutely now i bring that up not only to give a shameless plug to thursday's news and views but adam also because in this story we're not hearing it it it's nowhere right. to be found on any of the major outlets and yet it affects I, you heard the list i mean victoria secrets for crying out loud disney mgm bear all of these companies are are mainstream companies that we hear about every day why are we not hearing about it well because it the of the death of journalism well we know i mean the cnn's own, new owner john malone i mean <laughs> he said it for us i think last week right he was like well there's actually no real journalism going on at cnn uh he even went so far as to say well the easy thing to do would just be to scrap cnn altogether but we're not going to take the easy way out guys we're going to try and turn the ship around and bring journalism back to cnn that's not going to fix msnbc i mean <laughs> they've got a lot of issues to deal with and i'm sure some of those issues are going to be civil lawsuits that are going to pay Kyle Rittenhouse a lot of money. He's going to be a rich, rich kid. And I hope so. Uh, I, I, I asked the question this week if perhaps his uh, lawsuits might be at least a start of the, the media going, okay, 
we have to check ourselves because what, what used to happen is that I could report whatever I want, but someone's going to call me out on it. And if they call yeah. me out on it, I lose credibility. But if everybody's reporting the same thing, no one's calling them out. If right. we're canceling anybody that does call them out, then there really is no restraint. And you have to understand that is the importance of another point of view of uh, the other side of the story. Even if I really do, like Michelle. It. I really want to hope that these lawsuits will actually make them change. I mean, but if you think about Nick Sandman, right? I mean, his suit was for, he filed a suit for something like $250 million and the settlement was not disclosed. And, and just like the big tech oligarchs, you know, they, they get slapped down with these fines that are tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases. And yet the show must go on. They don't really change all that much. So I think, you know, yeah, the, the lawsuit, I think, could do a lot for certainly Rittenhouse and his family to, to hopefully remedy their situation to some extent. Obviously, something that you can never change. But as a public and, you know, as, as free thinkers, we do have to actively choose, you know, who we give our attention to. And frankly, we have to kind of do what we're doing today, which is turning away from those outlets like MSNBC and CNN and exploring alternatives to Facebook and YouTube I'm, and Twitter. I'm holding them accountable. Uh, another story that you mentioned that I, I kind of stepped on you for just a moment, so forgive me, uh, was the VP dropout rate. That uh, Anyone on her staff is starting to drop out. Now, we, <laughs> we heard a lot in the media during the Trump administration, the turnovers. You know, you get this vision of Donald Trump in a reality show. You're fired, right? You're fired. And we heard about that all the time. Oh, nobody wants to stay on his staff. Uh, the turnover rate is ridiculous. We heard that again and again and again. We we did hear a lot of turnover related to Trump, right? But a lot of it was a little bit more Trump making a decision to replace somebody on his team. Uh, when he did have people within his own staff that chose to leave, there was a plan for that. It wasn't like an effective immediate resignation. It was a, hey, you know what, at the end of this month or at the end of next month or 90 days from now, I'm going to leave my post. And there was a very planned exit for his uh for his uh press secretaries i mean that's a really high stress job and you know even the press secretaries that he had starting early in his administration sean spicer uh still maintained a very good relationship with the president um that was not necessarily a a i'm quitting because this is a really hard person to work with no, though, no, though, no i'm quitting because this is a really really hard honestly, job honestly do. i don't care if that's the sure. case that's the case and if you report it report it but again, one reason why programs like this and many, many others are so important, you're not hearing about it in, right. in, a, fair, in a fair way, in a balanced well, way, in a let's tell the whole truth and let's have consistency in reporting. So what's going on with, with the VP yeah, some rate. some people are a little more prickly than others, you know, and I've, I learned that the VP Harris back when she was a senator, kind of the same situation there. People on her staff would really have a very, very short uh, time of tenure in her office. She's just a hard person to work with. Um, there are some leaders that are great leaders that people want to kind of find themselves surrounded, uh, I guess, magnetized towards. She's not that person. She's someone that kind of beats to the, to the, to the sound of her own drum or whatever that quote is, right? <laughs> Beats to the side of our journal, whatever it is. Um, 
she she is someone who makes statements and time and time again is found to be either contradicted or in a hyper in, in a position of hypocrisy uh she really kind of puts her staffers in a hard position where they have to kind of be the punching bags for a lot of the things that she does autonomously. She was not well liked by her party before the election. Uh, she was not even a top choice in the primaries. She's someone that even threw fire at Biden back when he was a candidate, calling him racist and sexist at some point. And, and yet here she is just a total hypocrite uh, in the role of VP. And so, you know, just because she's was once a senator and now she's in the vice president's office, she's still Kamala Harris. She's still the same kind of person to work for. And frankly, nobody wants to work for her. Uh, we heard a lot of discussions of rift between her team and Biden's team as well. And then a lot of finger pointing across the way, right? Biden's team saying, oh, well, you guys should have done this. And her team saying, oh, well, you guys told us to do that and we should have done this differently. I mean, it's kind of an impossible situation to be in when you as the worker don't really have a lot of of decision making abilities but yet at the same time you're held accountable for everything that that particular leader of yours does and says well we are seeing uh we do see hypocrisy that is not reported i mean just as simple as vp harris uh, talking about white supremacy and uh, and such and yet she's married to a white guy who is inherently <laughs> a white supremacist who is inherently racist. What is wrong with her? You know, is she just subjugated to his racist? I, I know I'm I'm going out on a limb and, and these aren't actual statements that I'm making. I'm just showing the ridiculousness. So don't right. uh, don't misquote me, people. Stop it. Don't the wash dogs it. are watching. <laughs> but You know, you see the the hypocrisy in that um, if if being white means inherently you're a racist, um, what the heck is she doing married to one? Well, if, so, yeah, exactly. If being white means you're inherently racist, why are there so many mixed race couples in our country? Because people find a way to fall in love with each other, despite because color we're all and, and all, one race. It's called human race. Human. But uh, <clears throat> I bring that up be, because there is more hypocrisy that is going on in the media and from the White House dealing with, remember Trump's racist travel ban? Do you remember oh, that? So he was, yeah, he was super racist with that travel ban, right? Like, um, what, super racist according to Joe Biden, at least. <laughs> uh, I, I remember that uh, basically Trump banned China early into the, to the start of this pandemic uh, in January of 2020 at a time where President, or sorry, now President Biden at the time, obviously not President Biden, um, he was calling this a xenophobic travel ban. He was saying that fear mongering and, and, and Trump's natural xenophobia really disqualifies him from even being suitable to, to carry the office of the presidency. Um, he also said, he also basically discredited the actual like effectiveness of a travel ban, saying that a, a wall will not stop the coronavirus, banning travel from Europe or other parts of, of the world will not stop the spread of COVID. So here we are today, now seeing the White House enact a travel ban through South Africa and seven neighboring countries. One country, I believe Mozambique, where there's actually not a single case of COVID at all, like not one. Um, oh, and so, but yet, yeah, Gibraltar. Can we talk about Gibraltar for just a moment? Gibraltar virtually has 100% vaccination rates. 
They have been the most successful place on the planet at getting those people vaccinated. Those are the people in Gibraltar that care about one another. Those are the people wow. in Gibraltar that know how to listen to the experts, get the jab, shut the heck up and move on. Right. But yet their outbreak is so bad. Talk about travel bans. Talk about hospitalizations and talk about death. Oh, well, this is where the media bias is so rampant, Michelle, right? You just look at the headlines. CNN's headline for all of this is very simple. U.S. announces travel restrictions over new COVID-19 variant. Okay, sounds pretty benign, right? It's, oh, it's just a travel ban, no big deal. Oh, yeah, it's the new variant. I guess travel restrictions make sense. I mean, that's the headline. U.S. announces travel restrictions over new COVID-19 variant. But flashing back to where we kind of started here, uh, January and February of 2020, CNN literally posts Trump's latest travel ban as an attack on Africans. That was their post on Twitter. The New York Times, the racism at the heart of Trump's travel ban, adding Nigeria to the expanded list of excluded countries just makes it more obvious. What's going on here? So when a, when a Republican leader does this, it's racist. But when a Build Back Better Democrat leader does this, well, hey, thanks for thanks for protecting us. This oh, sweetheart, it's much like uh, you know what. No matter where you go, you want to go to a here in the Seattle area. You want to go to a restaurant in downtown Seattle. Uh, you got to flash not only not only your vaccination card, but Ugh. honey, you got to give them your ID. Show me your papers. What, what happened to your ID being racist? What? That is insane. Literally, it's show me all papers. Like, that's exactly what they're asking you to Your show them. Your kind is not welcome here. Um, you are not welcome at this place. Yeah. So um, if if it's racist to ask everyone to have an ID, but mm. we're going to require everybody to have a vaccination card and an ID, um, oh, damn hypocrisy oh that, that it, word that's what we need to do ban that word ban hypocrisy ban hypocrisy <laughs> we're trying but, to ban looting right that's that's racist as a term i think we decided that yeah last week, <laughs> writer last week, racist also let's ban that this, one as well i know this is a story from uh from october but it gives a little insight into the way that the media is reporting. And we've gotten past just spinning the truth enough or reporting it in a way that makes it sound a little bit better. Uh, how many of us have done that with our with our parents when you've gotten in trouble where they ask you what happened and you say it in such a way that, <laughs> you know, it's 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 kind of downplaying it. And you're, you're spinning it. Wow. We've, we all know how to spin, doctor. We've gotten past that to outright misreporting of facts. Uh, I just want you to listen to, to this and see if you remember, because we didn't hear a lot about it, a correction that had to be issued by the New York Times in dealing with the coronavirus vaccines and, well, kids. Facebook spreading misinformation about COVID-19. Here's my question. Is anyone worried about all the misinformation being spread by the New York Times? The paper of record was forced to print a lengthy correction to a massive error that appeared in a Thursday news article about other countries' approaches to vaccinating young people and whether one shot would be better than two given the risks of uh, heart inflammation in teenagers. Now, in the article, the Times wrongly claimed that nearly one million U.S. children, 900,000 to be precise, had been hospitalized with COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic. 
That figure is way, way off. The actual number is about 63,000 since August 2020, when stats first became available. Now, about 500 Americans under the age of 18 have died of coronavirus. This sad reality shows that the coronavirus can and does kill some immunocompromised young people with serious underlying health problems, comorbidities, or in exceptionally rare cases, healthy kids. But it's wildly inaccurate to say that nearly a million kids have been hospitalized with COVID. People who saw that figure in this erroneous New York Times story were duped by misinformation. They're fearing for their kids for very little reason. And while that was the biggest error, it wasn't even the only mistake in this story. According to the correction, the Times reporter, quote, described incorrectly the actions taken by regulators in Sweden and Denmark and misstated the timing of a crucial FDA meeting. You might be wondering whether this was the reporter's first day on the job. Must have been a newbie, right? Well, actually, the author of this wildly flawed piece was the Times' lead coronavirus correspondent, Apoorva Mandavili. Look, there's her byline right under the correction. The byline notes she was the winner of the Victor Cohn Prize for Excellence in Medical Science Reporting in 2019. What? That's rich. (laughs) Yeah. Excellence in reporting? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Journalism is officially dead in the mainstream. And we're just here capitalizing on it because I am a capitalist. So here we we are uh, with these travel bans that were racist, uh, but now are justified. We are reporting mistruths and misinformation and people are buying into it and regurgitating it and returning to it like a dog to its vomit. Yeah, tweet vomit. We're looking at areas of the world where uh, it's our our freedoms are are being trampled on based on mistruths and misinformation. Hello, Gibraltar, and oh, hello, Australia. Which, by the way. Uh, This Saturday at state capitals and in front of consulates, uh, people are being asked to gather to show solidarity and protest on behalf of people who are terrorized in Australia. So much so. Think about this, Adam. Uh, There are internment camps in Australia and uh, voluntary uh, voluntary what do what do they call them in canada um oh like uh oh yeah like a voluntary isolation quarant- there it is yeah like a voluntary isolation sort of facility you might so call it like rehab yeah. <laughs> you so know? we're we're seeing this freaking everywhere um and do you re- <clears throat> may have remembered this story this week coming out of australia an outright manhunt did you see it's that? like, yeah. So it's literally like if you if you think back to that Harrison Ford movie uh, with future. Tommy Lee Jones and he's a doctor who's framed for, for murdering his wife. And then he's on the run from Tommy Lee Jones's character. Who I think he's a U.S. Marshal at the time. I mean, that's what's going on in Australia right now with three teenagers who literally walked out of a quarantine camp. They were in the quarantine camp because they were not vaccinated. Uh, they didn't test positive with having COVID. Like they didn't test positive for that, but they walked out and now there's literally like a freaking, the like the set of the fugitive manhunt for these three teenagers. Do you want to see the news uh, quarantine facility? Murder anybody? Is there oh, for us. Talia, good morning. There's a search underway right now. Good morning. 
Yes, that's right, Davina. Good morning to you. We've been told the trio scaled the fence in the early hours of this morning. Police receiving reports around 4.40am. Now, major police checkpoints have been set up around Howard Springs for the past several hours. As you can see in these pictures, they've been conducting thorough searches in car boots, checking vehicle registrations, cars and <coughs> buses alike. But in the last half an hour, what we understand is they've actually been dismantled. Exactly why that hasn't been confirmed. Hopefully, good news. We're also not sure yet who these people are connected with, whether it's a repatriation flight or those Aboriginal community members Must who be have been staying here following the Catherine Cluster. Davina, what we do know is that this is definitely going to bring this gold standard facility under intense scrutiny. On Sunday, we had a man escape and found on Darwin's party precinct, and this latest situation is only going to put us under the microscope further. Not good news. Okay, Talias, thank you. Let's get a break. Oh, it's my. like the kids are El Chapo, you know, <laughs> like these kids are El Chapo escaping from this quarantine camp. This is insane. This is literally insane. They're investing probably tens of thousands of, of Australian dollars and resources to track down these three kids who are just trying to live their freaking lives. I mean, this is absolute lunacy. But the thing is, is that this is just a step towards something even worse. You know, yeah, we're seeing we're these learning from camps. history. Exactly right. Look, and they're Adam, popping up in other countries already. We have seen uh, in Nazi Germany the internment camps. And we can decry their evil. But during World War II, uh, this happens when you do this thing called a race history. During World War II, we did the same thing with Japanese. Jap there, There is... Uh, Shame. A memorial uh, here in Washington State on Bainbridge Island of a place where they would load up uh, the Japanese onto ships and take them to internment camps. They had to leave everything behind. If you go uh, to Alaska and Ketchikan, you can see a, a really amazing story uh, memorialized in their downtown area where people where where japanese were taken and take and taken away to internment camps they left their belongings they left their businesses behind they left their friends behind in ketchikan the the community came together they kept uh, their business running and so when the japanese returned rather than finding their places looted and having to start again, they got to just step right back in that. because of the community. This was a horrific injustice that we did to American citizens, internment camps, and yet we're doing it again. We just rebrand it and then we think, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah. It's okay. ridiculous because if you think about like how the travel bans are kind of being enforced or just kind of being mandated, they lack so much specificity. And just like these Japanese internment camps, they lack so much specificity there. I mean, we're talking about American citizens here that have a right to due process, that have a right to live free, that have a right to the basic fundamentals of what our constitution promises. So to, to literally throw these people into a, an internment camp, it's a scar on our history. It's something oh, that we should be very, even... very ashamed of. Remember this story, uh, not to bring too many things from the past, but when uh, Ted Cruz was talking about kids in cages. In calendar year 2021. Um, uh, Senator, I uh, respectfully disagree with um, 
your use of uh, the term cages. Fine. You can disagree with it. How many children have been in the Biden cages? I've been to the Biden cages. I've seen the Biden cages. How many children have you detained at the Donna Tent facility in the cages you built told kids? How many children have been in those cages? Uh, Senator, I can uh, uh, provide to you the following uh, figure that um, when and let me let me say that when a child, I, I don't. Child, I, 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 it's a simple question. How many children? Have, yeah, the photograph is, of the Biden cages. That, um, as a Senator, um, that is precisely why I articulated. Children sleeping on floors crashed in upon each other. When I took this photograph, the COVID rate, rate of COVID positivity was over ten percent. May I? So that they were, were they called thin, Trump crappy cages, foil blankets. but it's not okay to have the same reporting with the tragedy that's happening at the southern border as well. So again, well, these issues of COVID uh, cages. Um, internment blocking the press from those camps too. So you can't see what's actually going on there. I mean, that was Ted Cruz showing pictures that he personally took. And then we know that there was a period in time where the the camps were stopping. I I believe it was Fox news that filed the complaint from being able to film what was taking place in those facilities. The American public has a right to know what's happening in our country, especially when the government, our government is doing, doing what they're doing. Um, When we can't have oversight into what's taking place, I mean, that's when things just get much, much worse, right? And in Australia, these people, they've already lost it, man. Like, I don't think that their people are going to, in a very easy way, be able to get back freedoms that they have literally let go of. Um, And so for us, if we just sit back and kind of watch our freedoms continue to erode, we're going to find ourselves with literal COVID quarantine camps, even though in Chicago, more kids have died from from gang related gun violence than from freaking COVID. Not, nothing to uh, see we, here. Nothing to but see. But nothing here. to see here. Yeah. Nothing to see. Yeah. Nothing to see that. here. Yeah. You know. So in in the news this week concerning COVID, uh, the first American to contact the new Omicron COVID vi- uh, variant was, as we now know, fully vaccinated. Uh, another news story. and boosted, right? Yeah, another news story I wanted to share uh, has to do with the vaccinated. And uh, let's make this so you can see it. Hospitalizations are rising among fully vaccinated in the U.S., even according to Herr Fauci. Uh, What we're starting to see now is an uptick in hospitalizations among people who have been vaccinated, but, 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 but not boosted but not boosted. Uh, So why aren't we seeing that same rise in people who are unvaccinated? Another story, 10,000, nearly 11,000 fully vaccinated Americans have died of COVID-19, right? 30,000 hospitalized. And these are our mainstream stories that we're talking about here. And well, so, and they're not just they're not just random Americans either. Colin Powell, right? He's one. He's an example of a fully vaxxed American <clears throat> who passed away tragically. I mean, he was a, a fantastic patriot for our country. But you know, there there are names to these faces, and, and you know, maybe not quite so as so noteworthy as Colin Powell in some cases. But every person matters dramatically. Um, we should definitely be talking about this. 
there's well, probably we, a story there. Something else that we should mention before we move on is the response. As you mentioned, now uh, what were racist travel bans are now being reinstated, but they're not racist anymore because the right people are doing it. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> we are encouraging even more boosters and ignoring natural immunity, but even worse, unelected officials, in fact, Miss Rachel from the CDC, uh, is Ugh. now in charge, uh, who, by the way, if we remember, decided that people don't have to pay rent and it's okay if small businesses who own duplexes and uh, rent out a home uh, don't get paid. That's okay, but people don't have to pay. She got to do that. And she's not elected. I don't even think she's ever held a real job. And now she's given surveillance over you. Take a listen. That's such a crazy concept. We continue to remain concerned about the emergence of variants in the United States and are rapidly ramping up surveillance and sequencing activities as we work to closely monitor and identify variants as they emerge. Any what? information we have, we will then <laughs> share with you as rapidly. What? She gets to rent. Oh, did, did you hear that right? Or is that just me? Can I play that just one more time? Please do. Yes. We continue to remain concerned about the emergence of variants in the United States and are rapidly ramping up surveillance and sequencing activities as we work to closely monitor and identify variants as they emerge. Okay, great. Wow. Please. Please. That's insane. <laughs> yes, That's insane. She's talking about the fact that they've basically created this surveillance program with these express checks at major airports in our country, JFK, San Francisco, Newark, Atlanta, four of the busiest international airports that we have around here. And this program for literally, by the way, creation of a database, but this program of creating this database and tracking people uh, who come in and then obviously giving them special, special privileges, giving the CDC special powers over these individuals, not only related to data tracking, but also, um, tracking the activity of these individuals, tracking who they come in contact with. Uh, this is the start of something that is such an egregious, I would say overstep of power. It, it is not the CDC's domain or realm to track the data on, on American citizens like this. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's not their, it's, it, first of all too, for the government to track any of us, typically that requires, a, I don't know, maybe a warrant right? Like some sort of warrant that would allow a law enforcement or a, an agency of any kind from any branch to follow you and follow what you're doing and ask you who you've been with and where you've been, when you were there. The CDC is, is they're, they're growing into this monster. And on the, on the sideline is Fauci kind of like cheering them on, right? And President Biden sort of cheering them on because it's just another way that the executive branch has found to diminish the equal powers that we should have across all of our branches, the judicial and the legislative. Uh, I, it seems to me, Michelle, that to allow the CDC to literally become a spy agency, uh, I think Congress should kind of have a, a say in whether or not that's a real thing, which means we should have a say in whether or not that's a real thing. Yeah, well put. But as we watch everything unfold, the White House and the Omicron response Come freaking on. Omicron, <laughs> which is an acronym for moronic. <laughs> Scariant virus. Yeah, the Omicron is literally 
I think we're going to sit back and as we enjoy the holidays here, we're, we're already hearing Fauci hint to the fact that maybe when you're indoors with people, you should have a mask on um, in your house, uh, your place of business. Why exactly? Um, we can't even we can't even prove we don't have any data that says Omicron's any worse than Delta. Actually, that seems like from the data, Delta is worse than Omicron. Um, from we what don't we're have data on here. that. We don't have da- data on natural immunity. I mean, hello, we can spend millions of dollars on campaigns to vaccinate kids who don't really need to be vaccinated, but we can't put a little money out for research. I'm sorry, didn't Fauci stand up on national television this week and say, I am science. I, <laughs> I am, am science. science. Why can't we take incarnate. care of our homeless veterans? <laughs> You know, there's so many, there's so many things that we could put our money towards that are so much more productive, you know, homeless veterans for one and actual infrastructure, not some of the infrastructure money pits that, that we're seeing out of, out of the Biden administration's infrastructure bill. Um, but actual things that can help our system be better, um, and compete more in the global sphere. Uh, we were once energy independent for a hot second. We're not anymore. Um, we're, we're instead spending millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars into ad campaigns to go and target populations within our country that have very valid questions about the the, the, the virus specifically, but also the vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of these are, are, are minor, minority populations, right? Uh, disproportionately, we have a lot more black Americans that are not vaccinated versus other demographics in our country. It's well, not it's because, because they're stupid. It's because they're asking, right. And the reason why though is it's because it's because it's they're smart. They're asking really good questions and they're not getting the answers. Instead, they're getting crappy ad campaigns that are, that are kind of bullying them into being worn down to the point where they're just like, ah, screw it. Oh, you know what? I'll just go get that my vaccine. Have mistruths, things that have, uh, they, maybe they made these ads long before we had more information, but they're still running. Um, but I think you have it wrong and I don't mean to be insulting, but it really is because of white supremacy. That's, <laughs> that's the answer to everything. It makes it a little easier. Yeah, so you're obviously just stay right. with the talking <laughs> points, you know, stay with the talking points, Adam. Do not do, do not bring any variants here. It's I mean, come on, think about this. This is where we're at with, um, with media bias and the talking point is pushed out there. If we can just say it is white supremacy and that's our go-to phrase, no matter what. And if it turns out to be anything else, we will ignore it or still report it. Now we had deny, last deny. week's news was a written house this week. Well, it's a news story and it has to do with that accidental parade driving thing that that happened oh yeah 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 cnn said it was just an accident right like oh just just some reckless driver man maybe you should have driven a different road like this one wasn't the right street he's the victim here (laughs) oh yeah poor guy poor guy and and you know michelle you're right i mean white supremacy must be the answer here because it's certainly not a there was certainly not an act of racism that took place here the, the, it's when you look at the reporting from a lot of our mainstream media, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, really shameful stuff coming out of some of these outlets. We saw Deborah Messing, of all people, saying, hey, uh, report this as it is, because that was not just some SUV car crash well, that killed yeah. people. This was an act of domestic freaking terrorism. We had twice the amount of people die in the Waukesha Christmas Parade Massacre than the Boston Marathon bombing. 
Um, Good point. Like more, more than twice. Yeah. So now, here's why are we calling this not, what it is? I, I want to backtrack because uh, sometimes in watching mainstream media, you don't get these stories or they're downplayed. So I, I want to just revisit it and let you know exactly what happened with Waukesha. Take a listen. Tragedy happened in Waukesha, Wisconsin on Sunday. An SUV plowed through crowds of people attending a Christmas parade. The city announced that five people had been killed and over 40 people were injured, at least 12 victims or children. Since some people went to the hospital themselves, the actual numbers may be higher. Law enforcement officials confirmed that a person of interest has been taken into custody. New York Post reporter Carol Markowitz confirmed that the suspect is Daryl E. Brooks, a male in his late 30s. Brooks has an extremely long criminal history, including two open cases. The Milwaukee court system didn't keep him in jail due to court congestion, releasing him on $500 bail, even though he was facing serious weapons charges. Afterwards, he was hit with a string of new felony charges and was released again, this time on a $1,000 bail on November 19th, three days before the parade tragedy. A mass looting took place on... So that is out of Waukesha. <laughs> Thank you to Front Page for that report, giving you a little uh, more insight into what we are not hearing from the media. Uh, but now, isn't it six deaths now? That, six that deaths now. Confirmed? And and those would not have happened if this guy was treated like like the way he should have been treated by the by the liberal district attorney's office. The the fact that he got out so easily that he had such a low standard of, of burden as far as his bail goes is insane. I mean, like you had Lieutenant Colonel uh, Stewart. Yeah. You had Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller who spent, I think uh, nine days in solitary confinement before his pre-trial, uh, pre-trial before his trial, uh, before his actual hearing uh, for speaking up against the generals who screwed up the Afghanistan situation. So a U.S. Marine, a, a person who served for 27 years, who's obviously not going to just disappear, uh, spends nine days in solitary confinement before his hearing but then this guy over here, Daryl Brooks, $500 bail after, I think at one point he drove his car into the mother of his child to try and kill her. Uh, that would be a vehicular manslaughter. Um, nah, he's not a big deal. 500 bucks, psh, let him out. I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm sure he'll show up to his trial. I'm sure nothing will happen. And then boom, dozens of people are hit by a car. He's driving six killed, you know, children, just just people just trying to enjoy the holiday season people that were dancing um and then you look at the headlines you know it's just washington post after suv slammed into wisconsin parade and killed five driver to be charged with homicide you don't hear the word you don't hear the word terrorist you don't hear the word racist you don't hear the word uh vicious murderer you hear words like driver parade crash parade crash suspect Waukesha parade crash. You don't hear the truth of what this was, which was a terrible, terrible parade massacre. Uh, Rachel Maddow was reporting on this topic on MSNBC, and I've I've heard a lot of people on the on the radio and broadcast say Rachel Maddow, which is kind of funny because sometimes you're just like, what is she thinking? Uh, and so when she was reporting on this, she literally didn't mention Daryl Brooks' name at all. She didn't say the guy's name. She didn't mention the fact that this might have been racially motivated when if you look at his social media posts, the guy was so anti-white. The guy at one point quoted Hitler uh, spewing just awful anti-Semitism. He's a terrible person. Like it, Even in his own bad rap videos, uh, he's calling himself a terrorist, yet the mainstream media is just calling him 
the suspect, the driver, uh, referring just loosely to the fact that an SUV, in, in, in Maddow's words, inexplicably sped into the parade route. I mean, that guy deliberately drove his car into the parade where he knew people were on foot to celebrate the holidays. He deliberately drove his car into a crowd to kill people. But kind of to what Michelle was saying, none of that fits the narrative that the media wants you to really think about, which is white supremacy. You cannot have in support this narrative, you cannot have that driver be an African-American with a criminal background who clearly is spouting profiles. That doesn't fit their narrative, right? You can't have him be an African-American man. Like They want this to be a white guy. That's what they want. And if it was, then the headlines would be very, very different. It'd be, it'd be the same difference of like a Trump headline versus a Biden headline, well, uh, and, very and simply. Let us look at this in light of the Rittenhouse uh, story where the media jumped to conclusions right away and can, and some continue with that narrative even now. The only reason um, he we have we we know what we know now is because there was so many videos i mean everybody's got phones now which is the to the the bane right. of uh media and their reporting we saw what happened there we now know the truth of uh the people and his family that lived there he worked there uh we had if you don't have police, well, you've got to defend your own place. He was he was trying to scrub off graffiti. He was providing first aid. Uh, he's even said, hey, I supported uh, Black Lives Matter movement. But that is not what was reported. They jumped to conclusions. And in this case, they're covering the truth. I mean, what kind of what kind of hope do we have well, in our media? Maybe our hope has to be placed with our local media, right? Because we saw a total failure of the national media to report the truth of what it was. Um, when, when you when you look at the headlines overall, it, it wasn't until November 30th when you saw a local publication out of Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, report this for what it was. They said the guy's name, Daryl Brooks Jr., the driver accused in the Waukesha Christmas Parade massacre, is charged with the sixth count of first-degree homicide. You know, I think finally, when you get down to it, these local publications are a lot more accountable to the communities that they serve, that they that they exist within. And so it's a lot harder for them to carry these ridiculous narratives that are just so false. Uh, these narratives that are because if you report the truth, then you're you're basically reporting against the narrative that the the left's vision of of the systematically racist society. You're you're reporting against that when you say that the here was an african-american who was racist killed a bunch of white people well, so uh, as we see the national media fail us thank goodness that the local media is stepping up to tell us what we already know in because some cases everybody who figured out this guy's name yeah, went to his social media to profile say looked him up. <laughs> <laughs> y'all can come down and visit us anytime <laughs> well, but I'm, it's also too it's egregious and shameful and it's just you you see it coming out of their pores in a lot of cases mm -hmm. and that's why we weren't surprised to learn that during the rittenhouse trial an msnbc producer in new york was telling her producer on the ground in kenosha to follow the jury you know right before the decision so like to say that that's a surprise is a stretch right it's it's at the point in our time now where we sort of have to kind of expect this stuff and that's really sad and so i think it's it's a time for us now to 
demand accountability from our reporters, from our journalists to reward the good journalists. I, Michelle's she, she wrote a book and it's, it's still, it's still, it's still baking a little bit, but when it releases, you guys are going to love it. But she talks about what journalism and what journalists strive to do and what they should strive to do. And it's when they report a story, you shouldn't know if they're coming from the left or they're coming from the right. The, the journalist who gets the trophy, the one spot is the journalist that reports from that level of objectivity. But today you can't find that anywhere. And so I think that creates a real opportunity. Michelle saying, I'm a capitalist. That's why we exist, right? Because there's a real opportunity now in the market for journalism to get back to journalism because people want that objectivity. People want the truth. And CNN's new owner knows that too, right? That's why he even pointed out, eh, CNN, we don't have any real journalists today because he knows it. And he wants to write in the fact, ship. We'll see, we'll see if he can. But they but have he knows one nothing less fake journalist. And that's our final story this week. <laughs> that's right. Do you want to take it on? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, but, but I'll let you carry the ship on this one. The Cuomo, that Cuomo guy is out. Hey, Cuomo, where are you going? So, I, okay, so when Cuomo and his brother, and I guess when I say that, I mean journalist Cuomo and Governor Cuomo, it, it became very clear that those two are attached to the hip. You know, throughout all of COVID, those two guys um, had a lot of, of kind of chummy interactions on air. And it came very clear that uh, journalist Cuomo was protecting Governor Cuomo in respect to all the deaths in the nursing homes. Okay, well, let's just let these people in the nursing home share COVID together, and then we'll just ask ourselves, well, how did they all die? Like, how, how did the death rate in New York get so terrible? Um, the way that the, that the Cuomo administration covered uh, the COVID topic overall was just was terrible, but the media tried to make that go away. They tried to kind of downplay the truth of that. Uh, but then also specific to the sexual harassment story, you know, you had what a dozen, 13 women, I think came out against uh, Andrew Cuomo for the way he's either touched them or, or come at them in a sexual way over decades of, of experiences. And so there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff on record that resulted in Cuomo stepping away from his position right before criminal charges were filed by the sheriff and his brother, Chris, Chris Cuomo <laughs> turns out Michelle, I guess he was a part of that. Yeah, let's take a listen to this story. CNN has suspended anchor Chris Cuomo indefinitely following new revelations over his involvement in the harassment case against his brother, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Quote, the New York Attorney General's office released transcripts and exhibits Monday that shed new light on Chris Cuomo's involvement in his brother's defense, CNN said in a statement to The Hill on Tuesday evening. It added, quote, the documents, which we were not privy to before their public release, raised serious questions. When Chris admitted to us that he had offered advice to his brother's staff, he broke our rules and we acknowledged that publicly. As a result, we have suspended Chris indefinitely pending further evaluation. Yeah, you know, Stelter is so excited. Bri story. Brian Stelter is like, yes, I'm now going to get his office. <laughs> that little bald man, he's just like, yes. Oh Cuomo's God, is so <laughs> everything that was his is now mine. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. The, the thing about the story and why I wanted to end with it, Adam, is that uh, it's indicative of what's happened with the media. The media has become its own source of, of power and propaganda and is in bed with politicians and oftentimes big tech. And when that happens, I don't care if you 
are titillated and uh, your endorphins just raise when you hear what they're reporting because it's along the lines of what you believe. And so it's shoring that up and that feels good, right? But if you do not have challenge to what you believe, your beliefs uh, can so easily and quickly go off track. And that's often what's happening. This, this one story is just a part and parcel of what's happening in our with our media front Michelle, and back. Jeffrey Tubin, right? Like he tubined himself on a Zoom with his employee with his colleagues, literally exposed himself. He was masturbating on Zoom. Eight months later, the guy is back on CNN. Like, can you imagine that? Like, that would never happen in my company for sure. That would never happen. And, and then you would see the person back in their chairs eight months later after a little hiatus, after a little bit of vacay. It's crazy now. To, so to your point about the, the media just kind of being the media and supporting the establishment, are we going to now see Chris Cuomo back in the same position in January or February after a Probably. little time off? After it's all quieted down because we will forget and they'll tell us to think about something else. And we'll, and we'll do that. And we will fall in line like the sheeple that we're trained to be telling anyone else who is talking against it that you're an extremist, a conspiracy theorist, uh, you don't love people, you want grandma to die. Ugh. And then we just continue as we are and our freedoms erode by the wayside. That's why we do programs like this because look, the truth will set you free. And I wanted to bring it as we always do to the God story and remind you that while we see all of these instances that are documented uh, and even documented by the same sources that have committed these egregious offenses, <laughs> and we're not talking about a whole lot of uh, I don't know, way out there news sources. We try to use the most mainstream so it alleviates any any debate on it or any, well, that's just, that, 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 that news source is, is just fake news. But I say all that to say that as Adam and I put a lot of thought into what we're, what we're giving you and research, there is a deeper truth about God's love and what can really set you free. And that is just as readily shot down and uh, denied and tried to spin doctor. But I encourage you to look into it for yourself. Look for that God story as we enter into the Christmas season. What's it really all Amen. about? What's the world really all about? Because as you look for the truth, you realize that it's just fine to question your truth because then what is really true comes out stronger. And that truth sets you free. And that's why we do what we do on My Michelle Life. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Give yourself, give America and give us a Christmas present of you liking, sharing and commenting on this. If you watched us this far, you've been invested. And so just take a moment and just put a smiley face, say hello, whatever you do. That helps to propel what we're doing so that more people see it. You can go to My Michelle Live. You can purchase cool stuff, uh, canceled t-shirts, um, many other things. You can um, buy things from our affiliates and that helps keep us on the air. But for it's not about uh, building our pockets. It really is about the truth setting us free. So this is what I'm asking of you. Um, 
Adam and I are committed to doing this every week and getting you the truth that will set America free. Adam, thanks for hanging out. Hey, awesome, awesome time with you, Michelle, as always. And guys, in a world of Tubins, Cuomo's, Bidens, and Trumps, just be yourself. There you go. Thank you. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.